You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. I've called this sermon The Repair Shop. So I know at the beginning, some of us said we were familiar with the TV program, but some of us might not be. So let's just watch this short little video. Welcome to The Repair Shop. We're precious but faded treasures. This is bad. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a chair quite so broken as this. Are restored to their former glory. That is lovely. <laughs> isn't that is it? lovely, isn't it? Furniture restorer Jay Blades. Bringing history back to life is what makes the repair shop so special. And a dream team of expert craftspeople. Amazing. It's a bit like brain surgery. <laughs> God! Come together to work their magic. <laughs> When you look at something that looks so hopeless like this, it makes me even more determined to get it back. That's teamwork. Employing heritage craft skills passed down the generations. It is a privilege to be able to do something for somebody that means so much to them. Preserving irreplaceable heirlooms. To bring those pieces back to life is just the most wonderful thing and I'd, I'd like to do it forever. The team will restore the items. Whoa! The memories. I'm so happy to see it. <laughs> and unlock the stories that they hold. It's made it all worthwhile. So, Jesus, we just open our hearts to you this morning. May we be able to hear what you have to say and help us to respond to you. Amen. Okay, the repair shop. So I'm going to be finishing off our series that we've been doing on the letter of James. And I'm going to be reading James chapter 5. If you want to follow along on your Bible app or in a Bible you've brought, or indeed if you want to just borrow a Bible that's in one of the plastic bags on the table, you can do that. James chapter 5, verses 19 to 20. And it's a short little section to finish off. It's right at the very end of James's letter. And it says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So we've just watched the introduction to the TV series The Repair Shop and I want to use this as an illustration, really, for the, sermon, the word today. And from the book of James, if we recall, right at the very beginning in chapter 1, and you might want to flip to chapter 1 and just kind of scan through it as I kind of talk about it, because chapter 1 summarizes the content of what's to come in the book, and that's what we've been looking at these past couple of months. And in it, God says that he can help us become perfect or complete, even in the midst of suffering. And James has shown us a variety of ways and given some advice on how we can achieve this through 
the different sections of his letter that we've been looking at together. Now, this word perfect is rarely important for James. In fact, it's repeated seven times in his book, and five of these occur in the first chapter. In Hebrew and Greek, both the languages that the Bible was originally written in, this word perfect also means wholeness or completeness, which is why sometimes it's translated as complete. Okay? And this type of perfection then means living an integrated life of integrity where our actions are always consistent with our beliefs. And these beliefs are those that we've received from Jesus. Wow, that's, that's a high calling <laughs> to actually work out and do the things that Jesus has asked us to do. But most of us, including myself, live as broken and fractured people. Our lives broken by sin, by our selfishness and our desire to only please ourselves. We've got big inconsistencies in our characters. But there's good news. God is on a mission. Like the master crafts people in the repair shop to restore broken and fractured people to make them whole or perfect. Some of us have started this journey already, but there may be some here today who actually need to begin this journey towards wholeness and freedom with God. There needs to be a starting point. God is in the restoration business. That's good news. You do know God loves recycling. You know when you stick something in the recycling bin? But actually, on a much bigger scale, God's into recycling big time. All right? And I love some of the descriptions they used in those opening titles of the repair shop that we've just watched. The battered and broken objects brought to the workshop are described as precious treasures. The master craftsman looks beyond the damage and can see what the object once was, or more importantly, what the object can become once it has been made whole again. Think of that in terms of God looking at us. And indeed, in John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He looks at the brokenness. He looks at the mess of our lives. But he sees what it can become once he has made it whole again. They are master craftspeople. They are at the top of their trade and are highly skilled. God is the ultimate craftsman. Well, he is the creator. Colossians 1, 16 to 17. For in him 
all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, my favorite part is when the lady who does the leather work, does anyone know her name? Who watches it often enough to know her name? Susie. Oh, well done. There you go. Some, some fans here. So, well, the lady who does the leather work is holding that tattered and torn wallet. I think, I think it's a wallet. Um, and says that when the item looks so hopeless, she is even more determined to make it whole again. And the clockmaker, chap, speaks of bringing items back to life. You know, we can never be so broken that Jesus is unable to fix us. Jesus brings things back to life because he came back to life. He can do it. He was dead. But then he came alive. He rose again. Luke 24, we have the angels telling the disciples who had rushed to the tomb. They meet them and then says, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how we told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day and be raised again. Jesus has the power to bring things back to life. Now, when I used to be a school teacher some years ago, um, we went on a school trip every year. We took the year six class to the city of York. It was one of my more favorite trips that I went on with the school. So, and every time we went and had a guided tour around York Minster. So I have been around York Minster, I don't know how many times. I can pretty much be a guide of the place myself, having done it so many times. One of my highlights over the years was seeing the restoration, the various stages of the restoration of the York Minster Great East Window. It is a humongous stained glass window, almost from ceiling to floor, and this is like a really high ceiling. It's a huge medieval stained glass window, and over the centuries it had been damaged and had been repaired over the, the years by just filling in the crack with just slap another piece of lead in it, right? And they'd also become very dirty and grimy. And if you look at some of the other windows in that cathedral, still waiting to be restored, you can see some colors on them, but they're very dark. And you can barely make out what the pictures are supposed to be. But part of the restoration process that this window went through is each panel of the window was removed, one at a time. And every piece of glass was then removed from the, the lead sort of casing and cleaned, you know, like with the cotton buds, like you see on, on telly, yeah? Some of them were repainted and painstakingly put back together again. But all the additional lead that they had added on the cracks over the years had been removed because they were actually fixing the pieces of glass with like, I don't think they use super glue. There'll be some 
technical thing that they use. But you get the idea. They're like super glued them back together again. Okay. And then made the window again and put it back in place. And this window, this one window, has taken 12 years to restore and cost 11 and a half million pounds to do. Now you can see the images, they are crystal clear and the room is flooded with colorful light. Another style of restoration can be seen in Japanese culture. Kintsuki, it's called. I think I've said it right. I might not have. So forgive me if I pronounce it incorrectly. But it's a Japanese technique for repairing pottery with seams of gold. The word means golden joinery in Japanese. And this repairs the brokenness in a way that makes the object more beautiful and even more unique than it was prior to being broken. Because instead of hiding the scars, it makes a feature of them. And indeed, the Bible tells us that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. There we go again. Perfect. This idea of wholeness. Even in our weakness, even in our brokenness, God can make us whole. And because we are weak, we have to rely upon him and surrender our will to his will, especially in those parts of life we find the most difficult. Because he has to be in charge for us to overcome and be victorious. It's in his strength that we are made whole. For Christians, being weak is, is actually a kind of a badge of honor, especially if we allow Jesus to shine in the midst of our weaknesses. So what about today's passage then? My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. God is the ultimate master craftsman who longs to bring his creation back into wholeness and perfection. This is why Jesus came. This is why we celebrate Christmas so much because Jesus is coming into the world. Why? To bring God's restoration. This is where things start to be made whole again, and that includes us. Jesus came, God's perfect son, to break the curse of sin and to begin to usher in God's perfect kingdom here on earth. Now, this verse is speaking of someone who, who used to follow Jesus. They were walking in the truth, but they're not doing that anymore. And it says that someone should bring this person back. Now, how do we do this? Do we go out and grab the person by the collar and kind of drag them back into the church and say, yeah, you sit here and you listen to what's being said? I don't know if that will work terribly well, do you? 
Or do we start arguments with them over the interpretation of the Bible on Facebook? That might not be such a good idea either. No, we, we need to realize that God does the saving, not us. He alone is the master craftsman. We partner with him, yes. We sow the seeds. We have a part to play. We shine the light of Jesus through our words and our lives. We show the way. But the person themselves has to choose to turn from their sinful way. The person themselves has to choose to give their lives, to surrender their lives to Jesus, or indeed not to. They need to decide to follow Jesus again for themselves. You can't force them to do that. Now, we can try to answer the que- some of the questions they may have. We can't make that decision for them. We need to see, uh, when we see a brother or sister wandering away from the faith, keep loving them. We need to keep loving them. Keep praying for them. Show them that it's okay to turn back to God again. That all is not lost. That they're not completely rejected or out in the cold. And for those who don't yet know Jesus, we need to sow seeds and in the right time the harvest will come. Now, we might not be the ones to see that harvest, but we sow the seeds anyway. Creation is broken and tainted by sin. And so are we when we are born. The only way the broken items are fixed in the TV show is for them to be brought back to the repair shop. A decision is made. Oh yeah, I'll go and get that broken thing from the attic and I'll take it on the telly. A decision is made. And an action is taken. The item doesn't just stay in the attic and somehow magically all of a sudden becomes okay again just because you've decided you'll do it. You have to actually pick it up and put it in the car and drive to the place and apply for the TV show and take it to the person and say, here it is. You've got to take an action. The same is true for us and our lives. We need to decide that we want to be made whole. And we need to take action. We need to go to the repair shop, which is basically coming before the master craftsman, God, and lying down on his workbench altar and saying, here I am, broken and messed up. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I choose to turn away from my sin and my selfish ways, and I give my life into your hands. And the master craftsman will scoop us up, breathe life into our dead spirit, and will begin the process of discipleship, which is showing us how to live life his way instead of 
our own way. He will begin to restore us and make us whole. Now, there are a few groups of people that, well, when I say I want to pray for, we've got some leaders who will be also praying for people today. And the first group of people are those who've recognized, yeah, I'm broken. Yes, I need Jesus to help put me back together again. But I haven't taken that action. I haven't taken that first step. So you might be in that group who've not yet decided to follow Jesus for yourselves. You're not taking that starting point, that decision. This is it. This is the starting point. There comes a time in your life when you're faced with the decision to choose to follow Jesus or not. And the Bible says, if you believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he died for you to forgive your sin and that he rose again, if you believe it in your heart, you need to confess it or speak it with your mouth. You need to repent. You need to say sorry for the stuff I've done. I want to do things your way. And if you believe this, the Bible says that you shall be saved. But you have to take the first step by placing your life in the hands of the master craftsman. When you say yes to Jesus, you say, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you with you in charge. If this is you this morning, right now, this is your time to make that decision. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now, often some people sit there and their brain goes into panic mode. Ah, how do I know if he's talking to me? How do I know if this is me or not? I don't know if this applies to me. If you're panicking, I reckon it applies to you. <laughs> right? You might have felt a stirring or a nudging inside of you. Something's going on inside you. You're not quite sure what that is. It's the Holy Spirit giving you a, a little nudge. Some of you might be giving you a great big jolly kick saying, come on. This is you. All right? If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to get up and go to the side of the room over there. We're going to have some leaders who will pray with you and help you to take that first step. The second group of people are those who used to follow Jesus. You made a commitment sometime in the past, but things have got in the way of your relationship with Jesus You've wandered away. The fires of your love for him have grown cold. You're no longer living the way that Jesus asks us to live. If this is you, the Father is calling you back home today, right now. He's waiting with open arms to embrace you and welcome you back. But you've got to take that step towards him. Again, don't let this moment pass you by. And if this is you, I want to encourage you, be brave, take that step. Also go to this side of the room here where some leaders are going to be praying. In fact, can I get some of those leaders now, deacons and overseers, if you could just come to the side of the room, please, so that you're ready to 
pray for people. And while they're doing that, there's a third group of people who I want us to pray for today. And these are those of us who are Christians, who are fighting the good fight, who are doing our best to follow Jesus. Now, we may not be perfect. We're all still on a journey, but we are walking with Jesus the best that we can. And if this is you, and I expect this includes many of us in the room today, I just want to take the next couple of minutes just on our tables around where we are just to pray for each other, to encourage each other. Pray encouragement. Pray for God's strength in our weaknesses. Ask for help to show and to share the love of Jesus with others. Ask the master craftsman to continue his work of wholeness and perfection in our lives until the work is finished.